So hello, welcome back to a new episode for the Traders Improved podcast. Today we have a very, very special guest once again. We are here with Mandy. Hello, Mandy, and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So nice to see you guys again, Rolf and Moritz. Yes, it's a super pleasure. You were here, I think, last year, visited us in Frankfurt. Time flies. That's but it correct. Was, yeah, it was really nice. We had a really and, nice uh, lunch dinner together, yeah. Yes. And beers. <laughs> and we are here with Moritz as well. Hello, Moritz. Hi. And Mandy is from tradingpsychology.com. She's a trader, a trainer, a psychology coach, and the authority on trading peak performance. Uh, she's worked with thousands of traders, prop firms, retail traders, from hedge funds, and some of the world, most well-known traders. And I really look forward to this. Um, so thank you for making the time. And thank by you the way, so much. I'm so excited to speaking with you guys. So yeah. <laughs> And all the links that we mentioned, it will be in the video description or the podcast description. So you can check that out uh, to find out more about Mandy. And let's start with the first question. Let's get right into it. From your work with traders, um, what separates the average trader that is maybe a little bit challenged and um, the widely successful trader? What are some really obvious differences that you see in your work? Wow, where do I start? Um, I would say the very first major difference is that the super successful traders, they know how to think strategically. Um, they also have a lot of emotional challenges like every other trader, every other, other human being has. But their ability to think strategically and to be solution-focused and results-focused is outweighing the emotional challenges. And I think... Um, very, very generalized because everyone is so individually, but that would be the main difference. Right, yeah. What this um, strategically thinking about their strategy or about their edge, about trading in general, money management, everything? Like mm -hmm. Super question. Thank you for clarifying that, Moritz. Um, when, I speak, when I say strategically thinking, I mean that as a trade, a general trade, Mm -hmm. So if you look at Linda Rushke, for example, um, when I ask her a question, right, to, to solve a problem, the way she approaches solving a problem is extremely strategic, right? So she seems to think through frameworks. I'm not sure if she's aware of it, but I can see the way she approaches a problem is through frameworks. Okay. Um, when you look at, um, for example, the way I would approach a problem or the way I approach working with a trader is always through contrast, for example. Um, when I have a problem, I look at what is the problem not? Because what we mostly do is we, we, we stare at the problem, right? And say, like, I need to solve this, I need to solve this. But when we look at the contrast on what is the problem not, then we get so much more information of what, might the, what the gap might be or what information we are missing, what skill we are missing. Mm -hmm. And um, so that is what, we, what I would call strategic thinking. So I don't think about the content. I look at the content through a lens of context. Oh, okay. For example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. Right. And you, you already dropped the name, Linda Rushke. I wanted to ask you so much. And um, <laughs> she is uh, one of the most well-known and very successful traders. And... Um, what stands out about somebody who has achieved like this massive success? Is there like something that you see that is really special about, about them? Yeah. So again, I can mostly speak about Linda, um, who I had the pleasure to sit with in the trading room for four weeks and, you know, from six in the morning till 10 at night, I was able to observe her and, and she gave me permission to share everything that serves traders. She's so super generous. And what um, is Standing out for her, um, when I looked at her through the lens of, a, of an expert in behavioral, um, behavioral science and as an expert in uh, performance science, I can see, and that's what Linda says herself, she says, I'm not the best trader in the world, but what I have is I can really recover quickly from setbacks. And so talking about being solution-focused, Linda would um, have a massive stuff-up, for example. But, you know, when you read her book, Trading Sardines, it's, um, it's, it's, I don't know, 300 pages of challenges that she had in life and how she overcame those challenges, not only as a trader, but also in life. And um, that, of course, um, impacts our trading. 
So she has this enormous ability to, to take a hit and to recover really, really quickly. And we have here in Australia, we have this famous racehorse Wings. And what made Wings so famous is she won 25 races, I think. She was never beaten. And she would always come from the back of the field and then win in, length, in, in five or ten lengths. <laughs> and Linda is, reminds me of, of Wings because Linda would have a setback and she would get really angry and annoyed and have all the emotions that every trader experiences, right? The defeat, the, dis, the, the, the disappointment, the anger, whatever the range of emotions is. But then she picks herself up and she focuses on the job. And then she finds the next trade and she, she knows how to dig herself out of, of, out of um, you know, having, having had a loss or having made a mistake. I think mm -hmm. that's what really stands out for her. Again, uh, what I mentioned before, her way to strategically think. Um, Linda, when, when I, I remember a few times I asked her to read some research on trading psychology or um, specifically performance psychology related papers, which are when anyone who has ever read research papers knows how hard they are to read. <laughs> right. But she has this ability <laughs> to read those papers and to pick up the key elements really quickly and to, to make sense of them, to put them into context. And again, that's, that's what I have rarely seen anyone do. Um, my brother does that as a lawyer. Um, he has this amazing ability to think in context and frameworks and then put the pieces together, um, a chess player would be the same. Now, the other skill that Linda has is her enormous ability to think multidimensional. Um, I believe that comes partly from her learning to play the piano because when you play the piano, like your left and your right and your two feet have to do different things in your head as well. And um, I also worked with a um, quite famous drummer, I found out. I, I actually don't know much about the world of music, but it turns out he's a famous drummer and um, he struggled with his trading a lot. And then what I did with him, I said, so when we have this kind of market, what does that remind you of in your music? And he's like, rock and roll. And I said, all right, so here we have the rock and roll market. Now we need to find a rock and roll strategy for you. When you play rock and roll drumming, what do you do? How do you play rock and roll drumming? And then we found a strategy for him that was an expression of his way of playing the music. And I said, you know, when you have this market, I think it was a sideways market. What does that remind you of? And he said, blues, you know. I said, all right, so let's get a blues strategy for you. And again, his ability to have, and, and so what I asked him, I said, how did you become so good at drumming? And it's, it's so interesting, guys, because what I've found with many traders, again, looking at the contrast of why so many traders fail to become successful, um, is because they don't know how to learn and they don't know how to um, become proficient and to become excellent at something. And so what this drummer did is uh, he said he got a piece of music, so like one, again, I don't know much about music, but let's say one, one chord or one piece of sequence from his teacher. So he always had teachers. He said, he always had coaches. And um, hence it was so easy for me to work with him because he just did what I asked him to do. It was so much fun. <laughs> so he would take this one piece of music and practice it and practice it and practice it until he knew it, until it became part of him, until he got to the um, stage of unconscious, um, unconscious, what's it called again? Unconscious. Competence. <clears throat> competence. Thank you. And so I asked him, so when did you know, what was your benchmark for unconscious competence? How did you know you had unconscious competence? And he said, when my left foot and my right foot and my left hand and my right hand could operate independently, I didn't even need to think about it. So you can imagine someone who had this kind of training that they can think in a very, very different way than most people. Most people, they have only learned how to think in a linear way. If this happens and that happens. Whereas Linda, for example, and this trader as well, the, the drummer trader, um, they, so Linda looks at 20 different markets at the same time and she can process the information. I can only look at the decks and the DAO and, you know, that's where I stop. <laughs> no multidimensional thinking for me. That's my limitation, right? And I work with what I've got and I became really good at this one thing. Um, so again, we need to know what our strengths, what our weaknesses are, and then we need to decide, do I work on my weaknesses? Do I work on my strengths? 
And um, here's, you know, that was an example for you what makes the, the one trader so extremely successful compared to the other trader. Mm. Now, one more piece. <laughs> Sorry. Linda has the enormous capacity to take feedback. So what I find with a lot of traders is that they, um, let me give you an example. So I was working with a trader, it was in my group, and um, I was very gentle and kind with him because he had some severe challenges um, growing up that he was still in pain about. So we healed that pain. Um, I did some processes with him that helped him to find peace in whatever happened. And um, so then there was one session where I gave him really harsh feedback. And he didn't come back. And then I knew he will never make it in trading because trading, yeah, you get harsh feedback from the market. If you are not able to take harsh feedback from your coach, from someone who wants, to, wants you to succeed, from someone who's in your corner, you will not be able to deal with the setbacks and the challenges and the stress that you have in your trading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, there's so many uh, points that I just want to, Keep. But one thing, we, like two days ago, we interviewed um, Dr. Steenbarger and he said yeah. number one predictor for success, what he found is uh, curiosity. And I think this goes really hand in hand because what it means to be curious is that you try new things and not everything will work out. So you will get harsh feedback as, as well. So I think this goes really hand in hand. But another thing that I'm really, really curious about is um, because most of our viewers obviously are not market wizards and they're just starting out. How, what are some practical things that people can do to get to, because I think this emotional resilience um, is really, really important in trading. What are some practical tips that people can implement to practice it maybe in their, in their trading, but maybe some, what I find is always interesting to practice something in your daily life and then uh, have a transition into your trading as well. Yeah, I mean, you guys, you're NLP trained, right? You're linguistic programming trained and you have been, you know, to Ben Tharp and all the amazing, um, um, what's it called, seminars as well. So, um, you know, in NLP, we say how you do one thing, you do everything. And that's why it's so important to train um, the, the traits that we need as a trader in, in our daily life because it's impossible to just separate it. It has to be part of who you are. And um, uh, Atomic Habits, who's James Clear, right? James Clear talks about how, yeah, it's so good, right? He talks about how our habits have to be part of our identity and not just something that we do. So that's the be, do, have principle. What I see a lot in trading is it, it, they, they focus mostly on the do, you know, um, be, um, do being confident, um, trust yourself, um, follow your strategy, do this, do that. And then you will have the success that, you, that you're so dreaming about. But it's rarely talked about the being. So in the being is the identity stage where whatever we do in our life has to be part of our identity. So the being. And then, so we have the be, the do, the have. And then we can give, right? I know you guys are also really big into giving back, especially you, Moritz. Um, we had this conversation about, you know, big giving back and changing the world for the better. Yeah. So we only can do that when we have something to give, whatever that may be. So um, that is one piece where I look into when we talk about trading mindset, a trader who starts out needs to look at who are they being? What is their identity right now? Because identity is changeable. Identity is usually a set of behaviors that we have learned from childhood, our programming, our conditioning. And there has been enough research that shows that uh, 40% of our behavior is genetic and 60% of our behavior is learned. So that's really good news. We can relearn the 60% of our behaviors. Um, For example, I don't know if my... um, my way of thinking, my limited way of thinking, you know, what I call linear thinking is genetic or if it is something that I learned in childhood, I don't know. Whereas Linda, um, if, if she was born with being a multidimensional thinker, she has enormous brain power. If, if that is genetic or childhood, I don't know. But what I do know is that um, we can improve in what we need to learn. So if it would serve me to become a multidimensional thinker, I would definitely go out and practice that in my daily life. Um, I don't think it, it, I need to because the results that I see in my trading are um, what 
you know, what I'm happy with. And so I don't think I need to go out and train to be a completely different thinker. Right? So mm -hmm. I use the elements of what I'm already good at, like with my drummer, um, with, you know, I was working with um, traders who, who are really good in, in, in sports, right? So I take the elements of their sports into their trading. Uh, for me, it's my show jumping. Um, also, uh, I used to do skiing, you know, the modules. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I always was really short and sharp, right? And so that's why I'm really good with trading and scalping um, short and sharp, whereas I'm really bad at longer-term trading. So when you're a trader who starts out, look at what are you already good at? Are you a sprinter? Are you a marathon runner? And then take those elements into your trading. So that's where I would start. Um, Dr. B talking about curiosity. Well, what is curiosity, Moritz and Rolf? It is simply what um, Carol Dweck talks about. It's a growth mindset. That's right. curiosity. Mm -hmm. yeah? it's, it's the ability to think um, in ways of how can I improve? Um, what can I learn? Um, what else is there? Thinking outside the box, so thinking in contrast, right? So not focusing on the problem, but what is the non-problem? What's the not problem? Maybe there is the solution. That is curiosity. So that's where I would start. Find out who you are, what you're already good at in other areas of your life. And then when you have identified that, um, learn how to trade in terms of, so what I did, I went through each and every methodology that I could find. That's just the way I learn. And um, so I would learn um, patterns and candlesticks and Elliott Wave and GAN. So I have a really broad spectrum of knowledge and, and, and you know, I applied that as well. And then I took the key elements that really resonated with me and that I could easily identify on a chart um, and then put together my own strategy out of that with my own Bollinger Band. So, um, sorry, my own uh, moving averages. So my moving averages are GAN moving averages, for example, two, uh, 216 and 72. Um, why? Because it works for me. That's the only reason I can say. Um, so that is, that is the second part. The third part is um, looking at applying. Um, I have a trader. Um, she started working with a, um, she started learning the Rubik's um, cube, really interesting. And so the, she's super smart, right? It's, it's just unbelievable. She's off the chart smart. Did you know there's 43 million ways of solving the Rubik's cube? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. So, yeah, right? So you only need, I think, the first six moves. Um, and then after that is the 43 trillion. So how come that some people can learn to solve the Rubik's Cube in, 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 in under one minute? So it's about learning one principle of resolving it and then practicing, practicing, practicing every move. Like what my drummer did when he learned how to drum. He took one piece of music and practiced it until he had mastered it. And then he started adding his own mastery and him adding his own mastery was actually what made him so famous. So a lot of bands wanted him to play with him, uh, wanted him to play with them because he was adding the mastery to, um, to the music that no one had that was his own mastery. Mm -hmm. um, so what I see with many traders, the mistake many traders make when they um, start out is they learn a methodology and then they want to learn it by heart, but they don't understand the methodology in context of what it means in the market. So let's look at a simple um, reversal candle outside Bollinger's, right? Um, I was doing that with one of my traders who has been trading for about 10 years. He could never find a methodology that worked for him. I said, all right, let's go back to basics. So he went back. I said, start with this um, reversal candle outside Bollinger. And then he went back on live market replay. Um, in, since January, he trained it on the one minute, the five minute, the 15 minute, the 13 minute, and the one hour. And he did that until August. So now he has really clear data. It shows that he makes on average $4,500 um, a week with that strategy based on the live market replay. So not um, sim... Um, just really pretending that he is in the live market. Mm -hmm. Now, we also need to consider that he would sleep at, during certain times, so it's not 
um, that you would have slippage maybe also in the real market, but still, you know, $4,500 based on, so he was backtesting that on the ES and I said to him just, uh, no, sorry, on the DAO, on the YM. And I said to him, just to make it easy, pretend that you make $1 per point move. So if it goes from 29,000 to 29,001, it's $1, okay? So that was the $4,500 based on, and now he can scale up. And what he is now doing, uh, because he's so excited, he's building his own um, EA, so his own robot to execute that strategy, which will bring other problems and challenges, we know that. But you can see most traders, again, they don't do that. They don't go down to basics. So they don't take one of your videos that you guys created for Trade Society. Like you guys have amaz amazing work. Like I love what you have created, you guys. You. And you can be really proud of yourself, really. So they don't take one video of yours and then go back on the live market replay and practice that one piece since the beginning of, I don't know, 2010 or since the beginning of the new bull market, 2009. Mm -hmm. People don't do that. And that's one of the mistakes that they make. Right. Whereas yeah. Linda, she practiced and trained everything, having it um, back tested by someone. So she, she has a friend who's really good at, um, at um, testing those strategies. And he would then test the strategies, would come back with the results. And so Linda knew if she could trust this or not. So... Um, yeah, that's where I would start. Yeah, um, back to basics. Mm -hmm. Back to basics. Yeah, yeah. Michael Jordan. Um, yeah. <laughs> Two years ago, we were in Singapore and we had lunch with a with a fund trader, and mm -hmm. I asked him, "So how do you trade?" And he said, "It's a it's like a pin bar Bollinger Band strategy, and it's so simple. It's just ridiculous. And if you if I would tell people just practice this for the next five six months, they would they would think I'm crazy and they they want something more complex, but yeah. yeah, I think basics, this is, once you learn to make one strategy profitable or one, yeah, one system profitable, you can apply it to, to something else. And this is what we try to do with our traders as well. We give them a framework, but we encourage them to stick to it for five, six months and then make it your own. But in the beginning, you should really have consistency in your approach. And that's already really hard for many people. I mean, for example, looking at my strategy, it's basically a break and retest of a moving average. And then you get in on the wave three of Elliott wave, basically. And um, many people just cannot follow it. It's very, very hard for them. Maybe it doesn't fit their personality or they want to have more trades or I don't know, but it's just really, really hard to just stick to that one principle. Yeah. But there's something that we also talked about off camera is um, some people, it seems like they want to make it on their own. They don't, they just want to, they don't want to take something that somebody else created and then just copy it and they see it maybe like being a copycat or just a, yeah, just a, a copy of somebody else. We have seen that a few times that people it's just... ego thing maybe, they want to add their own stuff. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but yeah, it's very interesting. It could be ego, but it could also be values, right? I mean, again, you guys know about values. That's what I was looking forward to the conversation because you already know all the basics of psychology and, and coaching. Not, I mean, far beyond basics, but values is something so basic. Mm -hmm. So if we, look at, um, if we look at something in terms of um, learning a new skill in three, on three levels, so... One level is the, um, the mindset level, right? So your beliefs, your values, your, your traits, your um, habits, your routines. Um, then the second part is um, your structure. So knowing the theory, being organized, um, having a trading plan that's written out in a step-by-step -step recipe style um, manner. So like a work instruction for your trading um, and then the third part is the execution of your work instructions. As you know, that is two different parts of the brain. I, I just had a trader from Switzerland, and as she, she complained, she said, I have been preparing myself diligently. I wrote out exactly what I have to do. And then the moment comes, and I don't do it. And it's like, what's wrong with me? And then I said, uh, well, nothing is wrong with you, because that is one part of your brain that prepared before the market. And you're in a very different state of mind, right? There's been so much research in neuroscience already, MRI scans and so on, how we execute and how we plan differently. And it clearly shows it's different parts of the brain. 
So now you have to connect these two, right? You have to have patience and you have to prepare your plan and then go into the market knowing that now you have to use a different part of the brain and connect those two. So you have the thought and then you have the execution, but you think about um, playing a hoop and a basketball and then you, the physical movement is very, very different than the thinking of it. And traders don't see that. They think just because I read it in the, in the book, I need to be able to execute it, like taking losses. Just because I read in the book that I have to take a 1% stop loss, for example, or because I wrote it down in my methodology, I have to be able to do it. But you're not. It needs to be trained. And again, I always recommend, I do that with my traders, get a $100 account and then practice taking losses. Practice that muscle. Learn to do that. You can't just do it because you read it in a book. It's a skill to be practiced. Who does that? And I said, that's the best $100 you can spend. And um, so going back to values, um, Moritz, I don't know if it is only ego. I think it's also, um, sorry, not values, um, skill sets. No, actually, we can say values. So some people, they like to be analytical, right? They love wisdom. They love knowledge. They love, love thinking. And others, they, they, oh, they don't want to think, right? So if you look at the high eyes in the disc profile, they just want to take action. Mm-hmm. And so they might be the ones who would be um, just taking action without following the strategies. When if you look at the, the C, C energies in the disc profile, they're you know, the analytical people. They need to think everything through before they take action they might be the ones who are able to follow your strategy better. So what would be really, really curious to know is when the traders that you have who don't follow your strategy, ask them to do this profile and have a look if there is a commonality between them. If they're all high eyes, um, I would think they are high eyes because they're the action takers. Okay. They don't think enough. (laughs) I will try that. And we will try to maybe put a link in the video below if, if there's something where people can take such a test. That would be really interesting. Yeah. I'll cool. give you a link. I've got plenty. Yeah, plenty of free. Mm. Perfect. So you talked already, you touched, you mentioned briefly like process and goals and results. I think what I often feel one of the, one of the big challenges is uh, being in a process-oriented mindset especially early on when the results are just so far away from where you think you want to, you want to be, even you put in the time and in trading, it's very, it's even um, amplified. I think you do your best work. You, you wait patiently for the trade. You make sure everything is aligned and then even the best trades, they will fail over and over again. So this process oriented mindset, how, how we get into this? Is there is there best practice that you see people do? Is there any yeah, hacks or shortcuts are always, uh, but is there any best practice that um, how, how to get to such a place? So that's a really tricky one because I mean, why do we trade? Because you want to make money. But exactly. Actually, it's even more than that. What is the money? It makes us feel good having having a win, having a profit. So there's several aspects to it, I think. Number one, what I see with a lot of traders, right? So if we look at life like buckets, um, you know, the wheel of life, for example, the buckets of relationships, um, the buckets of um, income and career, the buckets of um, um, certainty and safety, the buckets of adventure. So if you maybe take the six core needs, that Tony Robbins um, spoke about. So um, certainty, variety, love and connection, significance, growth and contribution. If all these buckets are filled outside of trading, so we have a lot of certainty in our life, a lot of variety, so we're not getting bored and we are constantly stimulated mentally, physically, um, like on on all levels. Um, When we have a really strong support in terms of people around us. Um, so you guys, you, you, for example, you have your, your own best support right? um, as, as best friends. And I know that for sure has its challenges as well, but I know that when it comes to the crunch, you guys have each other's back. Um, um, 
learning, right? Learning new skills. So the growth and then the contribution being back, back to um, give back to other people. Significance, feeling that you matter, that you are worth it, that, um, that you are special maybe. So what I see with many traders is that most of those buckets are really empty. And then they find trading. And when we look at trading, trading um, satisfies pretty much all of the six core needs. Um, certainty, because, you know, we have the um, mouse button, right? So we know when we press this mouse button, something happens. Um, we have variety. We feel very significant. I know I felt very significant when I started trading. I thought I had found the holy grail to my life. Um, the Ferrari will be in my garage by the end of the year, which did not happen. Um, and so um, love and connection. So love not in terms of um, intimacy, but in terms of feeling that we belong to a group. And that's being given because now we belong, we belong to this group of traders on Twitter. Um, growth, definitely, right? We have to learn so much. And contribution, maybe not so much as yet, but uh, maybe we can contribute on Twitter and pretend that we know so much more than we actually do. So there have been studies and they show that if more than three of these six core human needs, so if you don't know what they are, um, Google Tony Robbins six core needs, there's an amazing TED talk about it. If more than three of them are being met in an activity, that's when addiction starts. And um, so in trading, that is definitely the case. So addiction starts so trading is an addictive, um, um, yeah, an addictive activity. Now, to um, just lost my trail of thought. But what was your question again? I just lost my. How do you get to a place where you're more process oriented? That's right. Yeah, thank you. So um, when these six core needs are not fulfilled, are not met then we will be very emotional driven by those empty buckets. But in order to be um, process driven, those buckets need to be even either met or taken care of so that we can access our thinking, our being process driven. Um, so number one, it starts with writing down your strategy. Now, When you write down your strategy and you have an inner resistance against writing down the strategy, then you need to ask yourself the question, why? And I can tell you in most cases it's because the trader doesn't have enough clarity around um, the execution or, or how to analyze the market. And then rather than going back and studying exactly where the gaps are, they ignore that and they say, I don't need a methodology, I don't need to write that down. And then they become more emotional driven. Mm -hmm. So that would be an example where you become more process-driven. When you feel a resistance against writing down your methodology, there is more work to be done in understanding the market because I need to wake you up in the middle of the night and you need to be able to just rattle down how your strategy is. Yeah. Um, so the second part is um, a lot of traders don't, Under, uh, don't follow the process because they don't have a faith and trust in it. And if you are like my trader who went back on live market replay back to the beginning of the year and then tested the Bollinger Band um, um, reversal strategy and got the results, then of course, you know, you have so much trust in that strategy that you feel compelled to follow it. Yes, you also feel compelled to maybe tweak it a little, but then you, you go back to what you know because you know it works. Um, so again, most traders that don't do that work, that process-oriented work. Um, a third part might be where um, someone who has grown up with a lot of freedom, they find it extremely hard to follow a process because they have the experience that a process um, um, takes the freedom away or um, it feels unfamiliar because they, they have never been told to come home at a certain time or to go to bed at a certain time, which is really important for children to learn this kind of structure. And so they have to kind of reprogram themselves in order to learn and to understand how useful it is to have a process. Now, and to go back to very basics, most people don't know what it means to be process-driven. They have no idea. They should start with Googling it. What does it mean to be process-driven? Mm -hmm. So, right. yeah. 
it took me a very long time to get to that mindset where I said, okay, actually following a process equals more money and more freedom in the long run. Because yeah. I was growing up, my parents, they raised me as an anti-authoritarian um, style. So I could do whatever I wanted as a kid. I could home, come home when I wanted and so on. I never had to justify any of my actions. And <laughs> it really took me a long time to get to that point where I said in my trading, I need to have the process or I'm never going to make it. Right? Yeah, good on you because this is really, really hard to learn. Yeah. Um, It was a strong and Moritz yeah. and I, I, I saw Moritz smiling so much um, because we, we talk about this so often that we both don't really like to have like a routine. Um, for many people, yeah, it makes a lot of sense how you've been, how you've, uh, when you grew up, what was your expo, what did your parents teach you? But I think for me, it's, uh, um, I went, I got into trading because I wanted to have the freedom. So it feels so counterintuitive to suddenly try to get into a routine so this is another struggle that i think is very common as well yeah, yeah. may i ask you Wolf, is freedom your goal or your value um what would be the difference actually mm -hmm. so a value is something that we want to experience on a consistent basis right so you want to experience freedom Whereas goal is something that we thrive to achieve, that you thrive to create. So yeah. if I am now um, being following a routine and develop really good habits and follow a structure, I know that I will achieve um, a lot of income financially, and that will give me the freedom that I'm that I'm seeking. So that's a goal-oriented freedom. Right. People who have freedom as a value want to experience freedom right now. Don't tell me what to do. Mm, I see what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I think. A value. Yeah. I. Th I think it. It was a value, and now it's a. It's a. It's a goal. I think, or it's a. It's kind of a goal that I have uh, achieved to some degree. So I think it's a little bit interconnected. Yeah. But yeah, and I'm getting. Because Moritz, um, he, he got me with his uh, 6 a.m. wake-up wake routine. And I implemented it like three, four weeks ago. And it really changed everything. I wake up at 6. I get all my work done by, uh, by noon mostly. And then you have the whole day where you can be free. So, yeah, it's, a, it's good to see that, okay, once you, are, you have the routine, then you can also have way more freedom, actually. It's, it's very counterintuitive, but it does. When, when you experience it, you have to experience it to really, yeah. as I said, you cannot, there are many books have been written about this, but um, you cannot learn it. Those things you cannot learn from books, you actually have to apply it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I love what you say, because, you know, Rolf, it's all a matter of mindset, it's all a matter of thinking. Is it that I have anxiety, or is it the butterflies of anticipation that I'm experiencing? Is it that um, I resist um, being told what Moritz tells me to do, because that's the path that you could have gone down? Or is it that you love the challenge because you know it's going to be so freaking hard to wake up at six o'clock, yeah. especially because Moritz tells you and you take on the challenge, you love the challenge, and it's like, let's see if I can conquer myself and do that. I think you were yeah. early all the time. <laughs> Sorry? I mean, it's definitely the, the challenge <laughs> part. <laughs> it was like, oh, damn it, this guy already did like three hours of work. I just woke up, no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's ah, exactly yeah, so. it. Yeah, yeah. And that goes back again to being around people who have really high standards. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's why they say it's the people that you hang out with, not because of the income. You know, who cares? Yeah. If someone has a certain income, they have to have a certain standard and expectations of themselves and others. Yeah. Like Moritz, you shared with me in terms of time. Right? You said. I need to focus on my business because I love it so much. I want to do my trading business. Yeah. And if my friends call and want to hang out and go get drunk and smoke pot, I don't know what they do. I say no because I have my goals that I want to achieve and bad luck to them if they get offended. But my really good friends, they, they support me in that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And what I found is um, I was... Yeah, the, the income part is interesting because um, you can, 
as you said, you need to surround yourself with people that um, where you aspire to be or that just inspire you. And there are many people, I see it now more clearly, I, I, was, I was blended by all this money and fame and all, but there mm -hmm. are many people, what I found really interesting these days is people who are not driven uh, by money and fame and uh, status. Uh, they have other values like family or just um, exploring their own interests. And I found that, as you said, it's, a, it's really nice to have the, the balancing act to get all your buckets filled. So, yeah. I, and this hit really home. Um, I saw to myself that in the beginning, especially the balancing part was really, really, uh, really difficult. I started trading when I was in university and then I knew, okay, once I'm out, I need to get this job and I don't want to have a job. I don't want to have a boss who tells me what to do. So I, all my energy and time went into trading and I was really, really unbalanced, but I see the importance more and more now of for long-term success, you definitely need to be balanced. Um, I find that, yeah, this is, this is one thing that I really, really enjoyed mm -hmm. with the, your points. It, it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, Ruth, um, you know, the three Newton laws and one of the laws is the law of um, inertia. So when you have a big rock and you want to get the rock rolling, you have to spend a lot of energy to get that rock moving, right? And so at the beginning of a venture, we have to put in so much time and energy, the single single-mindedness the focus but once it's rolling and that's again what i admire about you guys so much because you have put in the structures in order to have your business um, run smoothly so you manage to um, automate as much as possible to free up your time to be efficient mm -hmm. and and that's what most people don't do they keep repeating the same thing over and over again and they don't think about how they can be um, more structured, for example, how they can automate because it's it's too hard. Right? And again, what I what I admire about you, um, Rolf, is your ability to think strategically. How do I know that? Because you took con concepts that were written in an article and you put them into a oh, man. I can never remember the stupid word. You know, how do you call those flowcharts um, that you make up, those beautiful flowcharts? Uh, yeah, those hierarchy charts and those things. Yeah, 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 yeah. How do you call them again? They have a name. <laughs> flowcharts? <laughs> I don't no. know. In what they're called, like smart charts or smart stuff. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, and so that's why I know you can think strategically because you take concepts and then put them into a sequence. You put, you take concepts and you... Um, put them into a logical um, hierarchy, and not many people do that. So you have thought through what needs to be thought through, and that's part of your success. Again, if traders would do that, they would look at a reversal pattern outside Bollinger Bands and then look at it in context of market, like um, yesterday, Bollinger Band reversal would not have worked, right? The market just went like, bang, chew. Mm -hmm. So you need to look at the context of what, what is happening in the market, but most they don't do that. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, there's just so many points. Um, but I want to touch more on values mm -hmm. and belief because I think this is really fascinating and not often talked about. And I saw that on your, on your homepage, it also says that you, um, you have expertise or you work on topics or, um, about money blockages. And... Um, I think they're often like self-sabotage, I think is a, like a really big thing, which, yeah. but it's unconscious often people um, are not aware of it, but it's, it's still there underneath. And it's, I think it's a big, um, it's a big thing, especially in trading, I think where at the end of the rainbow, there's this huge pot of money. Um, but many people, what I've seen is that self-sabotage can come in in a form where this big pot of money actually is very can be very scary because it one means responsibility, but it also means that you are probably going to be very different from your social circle where you are currently engaged. And uh, I think this can this can be um, one one way of self sabotage. And I was curious if there are other things or what is the common theme that you see uh, see in your work. Wow. So. <laughs> Another thing that I want to point out about Linda is that part of her being so successful is because she absolutely loves the markets. You know, she has been trading for 40 years and she still does the same routines because she loves it so much. So for her, it's not necessarily about the money. 
yes, the money was a big part, but um, she lives very frugal. And it's, it's just she loves it so much. Now, a lot of traders who get into the market for the money, they will not make it because they don't have the passion for it. The passion to learn and to understand and to figure it out what what means. And one of Linda's main strengths is that, in, in my opinion, is that she really understands market behavior, such as um, trade the five-minute chart, if you trade short-term, the five-minute chart in the morning, but the 15-minute chart after lunch because the, the uh, information is just um, um, clearer. Um, don't go um, short a week market um, after lunch, right? So don't get in short or go long um, if, if we are in an uptrending market. Right? There's so many gold nuggets around market behavior that she knows. Um, it's just oh, unbelievable. I could write a whole book about it. So this is what love about the market brings. Now, um, when we have... Now, blockages around money. Let's, let's, let's just scale right back. So we know that part of our mindset is um, values, beliefs, rituals, habits, etc. Now, I personally think that at the core of everything, of what is even beyond values and beliefs, is the roles that we have grown up to live in the world. And um, the roles are something like a hero role, um, the lost child role, the um, scapegoat role, the teacher or professor role. So there's different roles. You can read up on them on the internet. And um, Dr. John, what's his name again? Where's his book? Um, I can't read the surname. Forgot. <laughs> um, so um, one guy found out about the roles, and uh, I think it was started by Carl Jung but it, it was really, one guy went into detail, super interesting. So when we have someone who is what we call the hero role, they're usually the ones who grew up as a firstborn um, and um, have been given a lot of responsibility, have been treated like an adult. Now, um, they're not the hero because they're firstborn. They're the hero role because of the way parents generally treat the firstborn compared to the second born, compared to the third born. So the heroes are usually the ones who have been given a lot of responsibility, who have a very high um, level of self-trust, self-confidence, and, um, and hence become very logical. They're less emotional. Now, the second born are usually the ones who the parents didn't have so much belief in, and they belittled the child and you know, needed to help and protect the little one. They're the ones who grow up with lack of self-trust. So they have not much certainty within themselves because they were always being rescued. And these are the people who have a high need for um, certainty and hence they are very fearful in the markets. Whereas the heroes, they're more aggressive and they're more brave because they have a high level of self-trust. I'm generalizing here, of course. Now, when we know what our roles are, then we can clearly define what our behavioral pattern or programming is and what our um, gaps are, what our weaknesses are, because we don't want to just be a hero role or just be a lost child. Lost child sucks completely, right? You have no chance to succeed because no one ever believed in you. And because no one ever believed in you, you're constantly as soon as you try to be successful, you are being put back into your box because the parents or your caretakers needed you to be dependent so that their needs can be satisfied and met. However, how are you ever going to succeed in trading? Right? Mm. And so, but it's, it's because it's unconscious. So the moment we bring it to consciousness and you're aware of it, then you can change it. You can say, well, lost child. Um, so lost child is the one that doesn't believe in itself, who thinks, um, you know, no matter how old they are, they can be 17 still, have the lost child syndrome um, and things you think that they, that they, they don't have what it takes ever. Then they need to be, get a little bit of hero into their life or, you know, the, the, the good girl, the good boy who always has to behave like what the parents do so that the parents don't feel embarrassed. They never learn to be a rebel and to be to, to, and they never can accept harsh feedback 
because then they're not the good girl or good boy anymore, and then they're being um, punished with withdrawal of love. And so when we understand the role that a trader grew up with, to me, that is the core, because the role causes our values, our beliefs, and if we are able to have our habits and routines in place. That means if we find out what the role is and then we transform that for the trader and make the role more functional, values and beliefs automatically fall into place. Suddenly, they don't have a resistance against routines and habits anymore. Hmm. Because, Moritz, in your case, it would have been so deep at the core that it would be disloyal to your family if you are suddenly at that structure in your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it still feels that way, definitely. And uh, sometimes yeah. it's uh, because also my parents, they never did any sports, for example. Um, or, yeah, my, my dad, uh, he just retired. Now he's sleeping until 12 p.m. <laughs> Every day he's behaving like a teenager again. So the, uh, what I'm doing essentially is against the philosophy of what my parents yeah. taught me, right? And it's yeah. still hard sometimes. Yeah. It is very hard. And for your parents as well. <laughs> because the dynamic has to be in a certain way for the family to function. Yeah. And when one changes their role, the whole family, like a domino effect, has to change, which yeah. on one hand is very freeing. On the other hand, it's, it's, it's hard. So, for example, I have a trader. She's the hero in the family. Um, very, very successful in her business when she ran her own business. She was a world champion in her business. She was very successful in her sport as well. But what came with that was that whenever there's a problem in the family, everybody runs to her. <laughs> and, um, and so she has the, the weight of the world, the family world on her shoulders. If she doesn't succeed in trading, like, she, you know, she can't. She can't allow herself not to succeed. So you can imagine how much stress that is for her. So that's the opposite, right? So the opposite to the lost child or the good girl and good boy. She has to succeed at... It, you know, like failure is not an option. And so these are the guys who then get essentially sick, they get diabetes, they get, you know, um, stress illnesses, um, whatever it is that, that later on, because the body can't cope with it anymore because they push themselves and push themselves and push themselves. Hmm. And so um, that's not healthy, right? That's what you said before, Rolf. Then we need to bring in more, you know, family values and um, not in terms of, you need to rescue your family. No, let your family fail, but be there with your love and your support and help them to find their own solutions and not let them run to you for money all the time because they will never learn because that's how you keep the structures in place. Mm -hmm. And so now she has to fight not only for her trading, but also to change her hero role into something that's more functional for her, more sustainable for her. And that, really challenges the parents now she has to deal with that and it's really hard but you know she'll make it uh, because you know I, I help her through it because I explain to her this will what this is what's going to happen next this is how your parents are going to respond this is how your brother is going to respond and so she's prepared to work with it and to help them grow at the same time and to free them mm -hmm. so um, yeah so you can relate to that Moritz huh <laughs> yes <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm very proud of my parents for what they achieved in their life and so on. My dad, amazing person, also in business and so on. But the, the personality or the approach that I need to make trading work is just so, so, so different from what I was taught yeah. when I was growing up. It's just, it goes against all the values of my family. So it was really, yeah. really hard. Right? No. So what you had to do is you had to grow up twice. Yeah. <laughs> so come, yeah, you had to be, you had to, grow up as a different person so you started as a toddler again pretty much yes yeah, yeah. i i'm rereading the book um and this is amazing and uh, i'm rereading the book and from uh, awareness from anthony DeMello, and he's also a psychologist and he talks about his practice and he said um very often when he see patients it's he sees that it's not the patient who's actually there but it's it's the dad it's the mom it's the it's the grandma yes. who's actually talking to him and it's really fascinating and it's, it really resonated. And you said in the yeah. beginning, like sixty percent of the of forty of what? Sorry, forty percent of, of personalities. Yes, exactly. It's um, genetic, right? And um, it come or 
the other part comes from from our family from our um, social yeah. social environment so yeah it, it's um and i've seen it in one in one trading psychology p performance program where you go through your past life you reconnect with your family and you really try to understand where you're coming from because this is who you are today essentially and this is a it's a fascinating uh practice and yeah. it's a yeah and you learn so much about yourself and you also learn a lot about um your parents because obviously we always put our parents on a pedestal but when the more the older i get i realize that um even when you're a grown up you haven't figured out anything and you're just trying to make it up on the spot often very very often mm-hmm. so you see that your parents are not perfect when you realize that this is like a really uh, it can be a very big mindset shift that then helps you to understand okay what i have learned or what they've taught me is probably the best that they had at that time but it's not necessarily the thing that i i need at this point and it's not it's not something that you cannot change it's something that um it's yeah it's in your hands to overcome it so yeah this is so valuable i think for traders I think someone once said to me all oh, you're dealing with mommy and daddy issues and and I was offended I have to say but it's not what I do I only look at what behavioral patterns do you display today where did you learn them when you grew up obviously so let's figure out what it was that you learned what the context was so that we can relearn something new because when you were growing up it served you at the time but as an adult it doesn't serve you anymore so you need to learn new skills And and again um I love to ask this question to my traders who are parents where did you learn parenting from and they say of course from my family mm-hmm. and I say did you read any books did you listen to someone like um Vanessa Lapointe or for example um you know some amazing child psychology teachers and they say no and I said you know what you're giving to your kids the same shit that your parents gave you so don't complain about them <laughs> <laughs> yeah so right. nowadays we have options that they didn't have they didn't have the internet they had didn't have the books yeah. that we have yeah true John right. Bradshaw the guy um that I meant um oh. I think you enjoy him he's amazing so he talks about the um toxic shame that's what I work with my traders on so for example I had a trader who um straining for such a long time and he just couldn't get his strategy he just couldn't sort it and so I looked at what is going on so talking about um unconsciously sabotaging and what was going on for him was that he built with his father um they were refugees right um he in australia came from vietnam with a boat he built with his father the business since he was little, since he was 10 years old because his father didn't speak english so he had to help his father and um they built a business very successful business today and he wants to be a full-time trader that's all he wants to do now that means that he is not going to inherit the father's business and that again loyalty right um he's going to break the bond of loyalty which in asian culture and again you guys here have been in asia for such a long time you know how important that is yeah. and how heartbreaking that is and that was the unconscious blockage he had to finding a strategy And so we needed to find a way for him to find peace with um him pursuing his own dreams and goals and also knowing that his father will be so so disappointed. Hmm. And yeah, that's right. one example. Yeah, that's a good it's a good practice I think and it's not only going to help your trading but I think it's going to fill your bucket the family bucket once you reconnect with your yeah. with your mom and your dad and your grandparents and uh I think it's a it's a great yeah it's a great thing to do in general for yeah. for you personally yeah. yeah. I was working with a trader really interesting um she's Japanese and in the states and very harsh upbringing very very harsh and she couldn't understand it and I was you know honestly it was we had to do a lot of work for her to find peace and what she experienced um it was it was really hard but then she found something out about japanese american japanese during the second world war and what they went through in america um about not being accepted about being in workers camp in camps in america even though they were american japanese and um suddenly when she found that out she had so much more um compassion for her parents she suddenly understood 
why they were so hard and what they went through. And unfortunately, they had both passed, so she never had a chance to, to find out what was going on for them. Um, uh, but then, what, and she found it by chance, this documentary. But that changed her whole world where she shifted from the pain of rejection and the harshness of never being good enough and being reprimanded physically, you know, being hit if she didn't have the best marks at school, um, to complete compassion and understanding why her parents were the way they were. And that made such a big shift. So she found peace in the source of her life. There's this quote, um, the one who knows the, the history uh, or the past can control the future. And I think this really relates to mm -hmm. once you understand where you're coming from, where your parents are coming from, you will understand yourself a lot better um, yeah. And then you can, you can actually have a, have an impact or make a change if you decide to do that. So that's a, yeah, it's a fascinating topic. I could talk about this for hours, but we're already one hour in. Um, and I know it's what's that? What did that happen? You have a question? Yeah, it's a practical one. Um, I'm teaching a family member um, trading. He's been trying for five years now. And he was mostly on the lower time frames. So five minutes, one minutes charts and so on. Because he says that's where his personality fits best. And um, he wants to basically get up in the morning, trade three hours, be done for a day, basically, right? That's his dream. But he, it could, he never made it work for himself. So I said, okay, forget about that. Let me teach you my strategy. And uh, let's see how that goes for you. My strategy is based on a one hour uh, time frame. Uh, it's also the one that I'm teaching in our masterclass. And I taught him that and uh, he started making progress and he's actually now been consistently making money for seven, eight months. But, <sighs> but he's not happy because with my strategy, uh, You, you need to use watch lists. You have alarms. Sometimes a trade could trigger 11 a.m., sometimes 11 p.m., sometimes uh, at, in the night. And uh, he doesn't like that at all, right? So he's making money, but he's not happy and he still wants to go back to the lower time frames. What would you tell him? Because I'm telling him, dude, you're making money. What else do you want, right? So here's the thing, Moritz, you tell him. You, especially family members, it is so delicate, so delicate. <laughs> yeah. I, I would find out. So again, if you look at this is just a surface level, that's just the outcome of whatever is brewing underneath. Mm. Find out what is, what is the resistance against trading your time frame, even though he makes money. What's the resistance against um, having to get up at night Is that a value conflict where, I don't know if maybe he has a partner or a wife and she complains or, um, you know, he, is it really about that he loves trading or does he just wants to make money, mm -hmm. um, which it doesn't sound like it because he would be happy. So always find out, like, what is the resistance about? Mm -hmm. Tell me. So for example, starting with a trader who um, found it incredibly hard to uh, clean up his room, his office was always messy. And instead of telling him what his mother always did, clean your room, clean your room, and he's like, I'm not going to do that. I looked with him at, you know, and I said, feel into the resistance. When I talk about clean up your room and your mother comes and says, clean up your room, feel the resistance. Where is it in your body? And so he calls somatic work. And, and tell me about that resistance. What is it about? Turned out it was anxiety. A lot, a lot of traders have anxiety. Unbelievable. Um, they think that they are compulsive and impulsive, but when we dig deeper, it's actually anxiety. And what it was in his case, it was a grief, um, unresolved grief about something um, that, that happened um, in his teenage years. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it, to be more specific, he um, was a promising athlete. He had the talent of being um, playing on the World Champion League. And he had an injury, life, um, you know, sports-ending injury, career-ending injury, and um, he never got over that. So it was this unresolved grief that stopped him from having 
um, his office organized. Who would have thought? <laughs> Interesting. That's so oh. so deeply hidden. You would never get that on your own. Like yeah, no, you can't. You can't see yourself from the back of your eyeballs, or yeah. as Einstein said, you can't solve the problems with the same brain who created that, or brain yeah. the same mind who created that. Yeah. So really sit with him and have compassion and say, right, let's let's have a look. What is stopping you? Mm -hmm. Now feel into it. What's the resistance? What are your thoughts? What's underneath that? And you will be surprised. Okay. Okay. And he will. He will feel heard and understood by you, which is a gift uh -huh. that I think no one would have given him before. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. All right. Awesome. I think that's a perfect place to, to wrap this up. Um, thank you so much, Mandy. Uh, let our thank audience you. know where they can find you, tradingpsychology.com.au. Where else? Um, um, on Twitter, of course, mpx underscore trader. Um, Uh, Facebook. I'm not so much on Facebook, mostly on Twitter. Um, okay. um, Highperformancetrading.com.au is another website that I have. Um, I bought Trading Psychology, I don't know, 10 years ago. So Such an amazing name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so, and all yeah. the links will be under this video or in the podcast or wherever listening to this. So thank you so much again. This thank was an absolute treat. And maybe we're going to see you for round two one day. I'd love that so much. Um, hopefully when I come to Germany, we can do a live cast. Oh, yeah. That would be yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> awesome. Then, uh, yeah, talk to you soon and bye-bye. Thank you as well, Moritz. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Moritz. Thanks, Rolf. Bye.